Welcome to Relaunch, the GCC podcast. I'm your host, Marty Duran, Director of Communications at the Great Commission Collective. We're a global network of churches joined together to plant churches and strengthen leaders. Joining me is the president of the Great Commission Collective, Dave Harvey, to begin a multi-episode conversation about relaunching vision and mission in a pandemic time. My guest today is GCC's own Dr. Garrett Higby. Uh, Garrett joins me today to talk about care in the pandemic. Uh, what are people facing? What are some of the unique uh, issues that pastors and leaders might be dealing with as they uh, return to meeting again? Uh, people coming out from being locked up for a long time. Uh, what kind of struggles are people facing uh, emotionally, spiritually, uh, perhaps even mentally? Uh, these are some of the questions we're going to be talking about today, as well as some of the steps toward encouragement uh, and recovery that we might be able to help with. So now, episode four of Relaunch. Well, in this episode, I am joined by the world-renowned Garrett Higby, GCC's own Director of Pastoral Care. Is that your actual uh, Director of Soul Care? Is that your title? Uh, you can call me anything but late for dinner there, Marty. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, it's Director of Pastoral Care. Director of Pastoral Care. All right. That's awesome. Um Man, you're uh, you got a lot going on, so thank you for uh, making the time to uh, to hang on the podcast today. Um, the subject is really important. We're still dealing with pandemic issues, uh, and we've got you know we've dealt with leadership, and, and we've thought a lot through that. We've talked a lot about that, uh, but there's some just some real soul and emotion and mental care stuff that a lot of people are going through. Not just not just pastors. Are you seeing some of that? Yeah, you know the. People keep using words like unprecedented and, and novel, and that is true. And certainly there's some unique features about this pandemic, things I've never seen in 60 years of life. <laughs> but I would say there's some very predictable patterns. Mm. And when people go through significant stress, a threat, external threat, or a loss, you can guess some of the ways they might react. Mm. Fear. This despair, depression, anger. And for most of us, we've kind of come to some level of acceptance and relative stability now, but not for everybody. And um, the best way to think about it, I think mentally, emotionally, and even somewhat relationally is on a continuum, Marty. I think it's better not to typecast people into one area, but just think of a continuum based on how vulnerable they were when this all happened oh, in the yeah. first place. Yeah. And then how are they experiencing it based on their internal strength or how isolated they are or how high risk they are? Mm. So, you know, think about the <clears throat> depression. You know, uh, depression could be anywhere just I'm kind of sad, I'm missing people, a bunch of stuff got canceled I was looking forward to. You, I think most of us are there. Yeah. Um, you know, mourning over something, uh, disappointments or, or, but then some people are, they're like debilitated. Um, they're just, you know, they're so overwhelmed with a feeling of being alone or a feeling of not being able to cope that they're, they might even be increasing drug or alcohol use. Mm -hmm. They might be shutting down and 
kind of withdrawing from people or even being suicidal. Mm. Um, and that that is happening. Those are on the increase. And uh, so that you can see the continuum can be sort of normal reaction to loss or disappointment to extreme reaction. That's uh, pretty concerning. I would say the same about fear. You could have a low-grade anxiety, most of us do, to a full-blown panic um, where you are debilitated again, and this time probably more paralyzed um, and, and just not even able to make decisions, don't want to leave the house, paranoid if anyone comes by. Um, there's people in that condition. And then it, with the anger, the lower end would be just a, a maybe an increased irritability. I must confess, I have felt that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the way... <laughs> Uh, you dropped out. Are you there? I'm still here. Okay. Okay. Uh, go back to um, the irritability part. It just your call just dropped, uh, and your voice just went completely out. We can edit that part oh. out. Just, yeah. Just go back to the um, fear part. Um, wait a minute. It okay. was the uh, uh, irritation part, I think. Okay. So on the anger continuum, yeah, it could be anywhere from um, you know just general irritability, which I must confess I've I've felt on and off throughout this time, all the way to this intense anger, maybe even rage, where you're using careless words, potentially physical abuse could happen in some families or increase. Um, there could be other ways that uh, anger is being really destructive uh, during this time. So, and, and, I, and the other th dynamic, Marty, I would share is not just the continuum, but what I would call um, a uh, cumulative effect of time on this. Mm. So if somebody started out like, you know, anybody can get through something for a week, but you start adding weeks and weeks to this sheltering in place and social distance compounded by a loss of maybe income or opportunity. Um, next thing you know, people are moving farther in the more difficult parts of this continuum. You know, Proverbs say, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah. And um, I, I think we, here, here's a big question for, for the listeners. Where is your hope? Mm. You know, where is your hope? Because wherever your hope is, if that's deferred or in some way you feel um, you're waiting too long, you're going to start getting um, some, some emotional um, issues uh, going along with it. If your hope's embedded in Christ and you know he's with you in the valley, uh, you're going to be able to endure this a lot better. Who, uh, as we're thinking about the people who've been impacted, um, kind of across the spectrum of maybe society or just the spectrum of people who might be attenders and members at a local church, uh, who, who do you see has been impacted the most? Yeah, so as many of our listeners have heard and, and uh, the news is that pre-existing conditions make people more vulnerable. But that's not just people with diabetes, heart conditions, or a compromised immune system. We need to think pre-existing emotional, mm -hmm. mental issues as well. Um, those who have mental illness in their family or their own life, families with domestic violence in the past or some kind of abuse that already existed, those who have abused drugs or alcohol and have sort of a, a, a temptation towards that, those are people I'd be circling uh, in on because I know that this isolation, social distancing, and, and even less availability to counsel or care 
is going to exacerbate those issues yeah. and add the cumulative stress, right? Mm. That that we we just were talking about over time, their coping me- mechanisms start to fail. Um, so that's one group that I think has been impacted that may be a bit marginalized and we need to be sensitive to. And others, the elderly, that's pretty obvious, the physical vulnerability that comes with being older. And not only that, but the fact that then when we're reopening or we're talking about new normal, they tend to be like, yeah, that's for you, not for me. I'm not going right back to church. Right. I'm not <laughs> going to the going shopping tomorrow. I'm I don't even know if I ever want to go to a grocery store again, you know. Um, I'm having my son do that. I'm having my neighbor do that. And I think there's a place for a special care team or a couple elders assigned or somebody assigned to the elderly in your church to make a call to drop off care packages with the small group that adopts somebody who's older um, to make sure they're connecting online that they're that they're they're uh, you know doing some of the things that help them not to feel forgotten yeah. or isolated. Yeah. So that would be the second group. A third would be the first responders, and in the same uh, kind of way, let's pay attention and pray for them particularly because they're getting a lot of secondary trauma symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, what, especially as this goes on, um, and so in other words, they've they've been exposed to so much sadness, darkness, death, um, and challenge and stress that, that they're, they're probably having some secondary post-traumatic uh, response. And, uh, and again, a care team that would be sensitive to who, who in our church is a policeman, a, 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 you know, working for the fire department, a, a nurse or doctor mm-hmm. or EMT, those types of people, I would say, we need to be able to care for the caregivers because probably hardly anyone is doing that. I think of uh, James Wan, where he talks about true religion is visiting the orphans, the widows, and their affliction. In this case, I would say even anybody with little resource or who could be forgotten, we should be. Uh, at, this is a great time to. To, to be a make love uh, about action and not just words or, or thinking. So that would be my thoughts about that. Um, I think it's pretty clear that that most of us have struggled in some way or another with um, being locked down or sheltering in place or sheltering at home or whatever the uh, your state's terminology might be. Uh, I mean, I'm as introverted as an introvert can get almost. And uh, I reached a limit to where it was like, you know, I just need to be around somebody. I need to go see my friends. I need to see my kids. I need, you know, I, uh, being at home all the time, as much as I love my wife and I'm grateful for the time we've had together. It was just like, I, I don't think I'm supposed to live my entire life inside of my house. Um, what are some of the trends that church leaders need to be aware of as we are in and then begin to come out of this uh, that people might have that might have affected us along the way? Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I'm a bit of a, an introvert, too. So some of this has been a little bit easier for me, but um, I love people and I know you do, too. And so we want to go out and love on people yeah. and we want to interact. We want to engage. Um, even introverts run out of, you know, like enjoying isolation after a while, right? <laughs> um, I, I think that this is what I would call a dangerous opportunity for the church. You know, I, 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 when I do crisis care training, I talk about the Chinese characters 
dangerous opportunity is actually the Chinese two characters for crisis, mm. which I think is really interesting. Yeah, it is. So yes, we need to be uh, careful because there is danger. There is real and present danger. I mean, anyone that doesn't think so is just, you know, being too cavalier. But but while we need to be prudent and discreet, I think we also need to be bold and courageous well, because we have the hope of the gospel and we get to share the gospel when people are desperate and looking for hope. So it's like, amazing opportunity right now um and i I think the first thing we have to do is be guided by love Mm. everything needs to be done in love as the scripture says uh think weaker brother i don't just because i might feel all right not sure what happened there pause (laughs) okay where was you said uh you're on the weaker brother okay perfect all right uh, so we think weaker brother, uh, hey, just because I might feel the freedom to, you know, not wear a mask because I have a healthy immune system, I, I'm younger, whatever the case may be, that doesn't mean I don't wear a mask. Um, I wear a mask because I'm thinking of other people. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of somebody who might be offended or might be vulnerable. Uh, I think compassion and empathy win the day in this kind of time. Uh, when I see people doing that, it's just so life-giving, especially the faint-hearted mm. or somebody who's really nervous. Instead of going, "Dude, man, you know, don't don't overreact," <laughs> you're thinking, "I know, you know, man, I am. This is so hard, and I know this is really scary for you, but let me share something with you that should encourage you." Yeah. And then thinking about uh, my opinion, like somehow I need to get on social media and tell you when your church should open. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, not That's so right. much. Um, and then, and then what about, you know, overthinking my health risk or my comfort? Like that's not loving. It's just not, yeah. um, you know, so I think, uh, considering, um, not just love, but also what, you know, who am I talking to and accounting for how they're doing and adapting to the various people around you? We have a 80 something year old neighbor where we've been getting her groceries, um, you know, for her, but we've also said, come and have a porch chat with us. Mm-hmm. But we sit like way across the right. porch, <laughs> but we talk to her almost every day. You know, my wife does. And, I think it's making her making this thing so much easier for her. That's awesome. Um, so those are those are just uh, live examples. Uh, those who are cavalier, uh, stirring up disunity, you know, you know, maybe pushing for some kind of normalcy that isn't really even true for most people. Um, they need a firm correction from us lovingly to show a little more compassion. Mm. At the same time, those who are stirring up fear and paranoia and are overreacting to everything they need a little bit of correction too but with a very patient tone and and, uh, demeanor Um, and then you know i I would say we we need to be able to uh, find out how our people are doing Uh, uh, exactly what what are what's going on with them in the sense of um you know, their emotions and, and their spiritual walk, uh, you know, we can do that in various ways, but scripture says that we should know the condition of our flock Mm -hmm. in Proverbs. And 
you know, that's difficult during these times because connecting is so much harder. But I think a call from a pastor, uh, an elder or a lay leader is super meaningful to a congregant right now. And those calls can be even more impacting if we probe a little bit into how are you doing spiritually? How are you doing emotionally? How's the family? How are you doing relationally? Um, those, it, I think spiritual, emotional, relational would be good categories to probe a little bit. You'd be surprised how much, if you ask the second or third question, how much people will open up and share. And then you can pray. Mm. You can pray for those fears, the sadness, the disappointments, um, the, the fear of the future, uh, uh, potential job stress or loss, those types of things. And, and even offering maybe a follow-up and, I find Zoom or, or some other video conferencing app to be helpful because I can still pick up nonverbals. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little bit harder than, than face-to-face, but it's better than a phone call. Yeah. So that's a way to maybe pick up some uh, follow-up. If you notice somebody's got a pattern that you're concerned, you know, they're showing some post-traumatic stress or some increased dysfunctional behavior, you're, you're able to follow up with a with a, a video conference or get them to a counselor that you trust. And I think that's uh, hugely important um, to be able to connect and know our people, be able to pray. Um, and uh, and I, honestly, I'm praying for global revival. I don't know about you, Marty, but I'm praying that this this problem, this, this crisis, this virus, that God will use it. He'll turn around what maybe was meant for evil, for good in a way that will exalt Christ and bring many, many people to the gospel in the next several weeks and months. That's fantastic. Uh, you've mentioned some things about uh, helping the neighbors out, uh, maybe being available to run errands for people and stuff like that. Um, what are some other things that we can be thinking through or putting into motion uh, to help people who either live with us or are close to us uh, who may be being impacted in ways that uh, you and I perhaps are not? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. And I know that I, you know, I was just having a conversation with my family last night and they're like, dad, you're probably out saving the world, but like, can you spend a little time thinking about us? Um, I was like, ouch. It's a Superman rebuke. It was tough. It was tough. And I needed to hear it. Um, And I think we sometimes uh, get our focus out there a little bit or into our congregation, in my case, into leader care. And I forget how vulnerable my own uh, home is. Uh, Tammy and I have been going on prayer walks. I think that's a phenomenal thing to do with your spouse. And that's been really good. Uh, We've been trying to have meals together with the kids on a daily basis. Uh, Just that kind of routine is really good. But I, what I need to do is just stop and, and ask each of my kids, how are you doing personally? Yeah. What have you been hearing? What have you been listening to? What have you been watching? How's that affecting you? What are some pain points with this? My son's graduating in a drive-through graduation. Mm. My daughter hasn't been able to go back to school or see a lot of friends. You know, there's, there's definitely a cost on this that I... I probably, being both very engaged in ministry and an introvert, haven't felt as as poignantly as yeah. them. And I need I need to get that, and I need to hear it, and then I need to mourn with those who mourn, mm-hmm. and I need to encourage the faint-hearted. Um, 
And I, and I honestly, I haven't done, I'm not, I'm not, you know, batting a thousand on that. And I, and I hope we all can, can be encouraged by that. One thing we have done is we've talked to the kids about the difference between a complaint, a horizontal complaining about the situation to a vertical lamenting to God about the situation. Mm. And I think that's huge. So the kids are, we're going through Psalms and we're actually journaling some of us and we're praying in a way that's like, how long, oh Lord, you know, right, right. Um, and, and, and I think that if you can be raw and real without being irreverent. And I think that's what we're learning to do. Um, and I think that's decreasing some of our uh, irritability because we're able to complain vertically mm-hmm. in a sense. And that's what a lament is in a way that God is the only one that could do anything about it anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> So, uh, and I have to watch, I, I have like this ability while my kids are being kind of difficult to be a little snarky, like I can return a, a, a retort that's a little sarcastic. That's got to go right now. They need more compassion. Uh, no platitudes. Hey, just hang in there. It's going to get right, better. Right. You know, talk through it, you know, um, stop and ask, are you okay? A gentle word can go a long word as Proverbs says, and, and to just stop and instead of say, hey, uh, don't worry, I'm praying for you, actually stop and pray right now, mm. pray in the moment. Um, and I would just encourage our listeners, as particularly the men that are leading their family, but anyone listening, you know, spend some time in the Psalms, uh, talk about the characters of God and actually do, do a little study on that and talk about it with your family. And then uh, uh, meditate on a promise every week. So whatever that promise might be, whether it's, hey, he, he, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, he doesn't have a plan to harm us, but mm-hmm. to give us a hope in a future, you know, that can go a long way with your family. Romans 8, God is for us. That's another good one. Yeah. Um, you and I have talked a little bit about uh, how, and I think you actually mentioned earlier about how uh, people might suffer from post-traumatic stress. So a couple of things yep. related to that. First, give us a good working definition of that. Most of us by now have heard of PTSD for years and years, even those of us who aren't in the mental health field. We've at least heard it referenced typically in uh, in, in regard to wartime or an actual like a 9-11 type tragedy or something like that. Most of us don't think of PTSD in relationship to this kind of a thing. So uh, give us a little bit of a working definition of post-traumatic stress, and then what are some ways we can respond going forward to people who are dealing with it? Yeah. So post-traumatic stress, some of the unique things about it are that it's usually um, uh, comes about when there is a life-threatening stressor in your life. Mm. Either you perceive it as life-threatening or it truly is life-threatening. It really doesn't matter to your emotions whether it's real or not. If it's a perceived threat that could could threaten your life, that's all it takes. And in this case, I would say this virus, for some people, has been the most life-threatening thing that's got close to home of anything they've ever experienced in their life. Wow. So so I think that we're going to see a big spike in what I would call post-traumatic stress symptoms. I'm not sure that people are going to meet all the criteria for the disorder. Mm-hmm. I think that that's quite a complex uh, set of criteria, and it's probably left more to, to those who 
uh, deal with that. But I, I think what we can say is there's going to be post-traumatic stress symptoms like hypervigilance. In other words, I can't stop reading social media and trying to find it out as much as I can so I can mitigate the threat, mm-hmm. or I can't stop thinking about how this could hurt my family or my son with asthma or my daughter who's a nurse. I just can't. I can't even sleep. I, I, I'm, I'm, my, my anxiety level is now at like an eight out of 10 all yeah, the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm having nightmares. Uh, uh, there's moments of panic. Uh, I'm breaking down and crying uncontrollably and I don't even know why. Um, the, you, you may think that that's, uh, uh, a little extreme, but I would say all of us can relate to pieces of that. Mm-hmm. And some people are experiencing all of it for the first time in their life uh, because they thought they had their life figured out. Yeah. And this thing came in and turned it upside down. And now they dread the future before they were looking forward to the future. And that's a big sign of post-traumatic stress is a dread of the future. Mm. It's a sense of being thre- life-threatening and and some of the fallout of that and then it's this dread of the future and um i think a lot of people are wondering what the future has for them are we ever going to go back to normal i can tell you right now it's not going to be what we had before but it doesn't have to be so so threatening that we give up hope for something new um so this started out marty as you know as a health crisis Mm -hmm. and people were asking things like am i safe are we safe then it soon turned into a social crisis. Um, I feel so alone or I feel so disappointed or, or something like that. And now I think it's, we're, we're, we're entering into an, an economic crisis where a lot of people are saying, am I going to make it? Yeah. Um, how long will this stimulus really last for our family and that type of thing? And if you come, if you think about the compounding effect of all this, um, You've got the, uh, you know, the, the health, real, real threat. You've got the social, real isolation. And then you got the economic, you know, real depletion of resources. Now you have almost the perfect storm for some post-traumatic stress wow. uh, coming, coming towards people in the near future. So I would say a good number of your people are going to have the low-grade uh, post-traumatic stress uh, symptoms and need to be just walked through anxiety and, and, and in right sizing everything with the Lord and other people are going to be like really, really on this for a while. And you're going to have to walk a long road with them and just be patient, um, and remind them, do not isolate. Don't withdraw. You'll feel like you just need to pull away. Don't go AWOL on it. Uh, you know, Stay tuned in to the online services. Get with your small group. Talk with your pastor. Uh, work this out with somebody else. Post-traumatic stress can be um, uh, much easier to deal with when you're getting perspective. When you're not your own counselor and you're not being counseled by your fear, you're being counseled by somebody who's walking alongside and helping you see the other side of this. So it takes patience. And you have to reorient them to who God is and his character. You need to replace lies with the truth of Scripture. You need to empathize with the real threats they're going through. Don't just give them platitudes. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but, but right-size this with the love of Christ and what Christ already has done for them. 
um, and that he's in this with them. Like he's, he will not leave you or forsake you. Thank you for listening to Relaunch, the GCC podcast. Be sure to subscribe in the podcast app of your choice. And if you have a moment, rate and review at your app and recommend to your friends. If you haven't visited our website, it's gccollective.org. You can find us on Twitter at the GC Collective, Instagram at Great Commission Collective, and you can easily find our Facebook page by searching there. Until next episode, on behalf of Dave Harvey and the entire GCC team, I'm Marty Durant.